0: so remember when I said the comment section was going to be destroyed Uh, (laughs) uh oh I one of the notes we have here under Boros is that it's not the worst anymore I disagree uh I still believe it's the worst color combination uh well even worse than like Azorius yes
1: And welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Mind Sculptors Podcast. I am your host, Callahan. We have a great show lined up for you all today. Before we get into it, just want to thank you all for joining us this week. If you like this episode or any of our other episodes, please make sure to like, subscribe, and comment down below. If you want access to our Discord service, well as some extra content, make sure to head on over to our Patreon at patreon.com slash sculptors or check out the link in the description. If you want to pick up any of the cards we're talking about today, you can head on over to our TCG Player Affiliate link that's also in the description below as well. Today, we're going to be talking about the enemy color pairings and joining me for this discussion. Is again our good friend Cobblepot. Cobble, how you doing today? Doing well. Good to be here. Good. Uh, and also joining us again uh, is Spleenface. Spleen, how you doing?
0: I'm doing all right. I do think it's important to point out that this is twice now that you referred to Cobblepot as your good friend and <laughs> Spleenface. But you know what? We'll live.
1: Oh man uh so last week we talked about the allied color pairings we had a lot of discussion around that stuff this week we're back to talk about the enemy color pairings and looking at it right away we were talking about this a little bit before before we we started off is uh, a couple we were we were uh, we were talking about orzov right and yeah. how it's like comical how you would think that adding black to this to, to white would make it like stand out really big, right? But you know, there's some issues with Orzov. So when we're looking at Orzov, what's what's really going on with this color pairing? So the thing with Orzov is
2: similar to the thing that uh, is going on with with Azorius, where you've got instead of instead of blue plus white, you got black plus white. And, you're, and you think that maybe, you know, you've got blue or black. Those are both of the best colors in magic. You know, maybe black would, would help to, uh, you know, boost up their, their ability to make a, a showing in the field. But th- again, it's, it's got a similar issue with the tension between wanting to go fast and wanting to go slow. Because white is good at going slow and black is good at going fast. And because of the lack of blue in this case and the lack of stack interaction, I mean it can protect itself with silence kind of abilities, but it can't disrupt other people at, you know, especially not um uh Oracle consult. So it's, it's one of those things where it really, if it wants to be able to win, it's it's not going to be able to race the fastest decks. So instead it it needs to bear down and do the thing that it's good at, which is stacks generally, because the white side of it has, you know, the rule of laws and the rest in pieces and Dranith magistrates and the mind sensors and the op agents. Um, and the uh, another thing that complicates it is that Orzov as a pair in you know Watsi's view is that it's like the life drain pair where you know you've got all of the blood artist effects and and things that are just incremental whenever you gain a life everybody else loses a life and that's kind of the 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 personality that Orzov has and and that might be reasonable in 20 life contexts but in a 40 life context it often is not great and this is compounded by the fact that a lot of the times we want to put together a combo there's not really two card combos in Orzov that are concise that win the game normally it's a a three card combo where you got to have like a blood artist and Leon and Relic Order and Animate Dead, or, you know, uh, Micaeus and Ballista and a Sack Outlet. You know, it, there's just a lot more setup for actually winning the game. And that compounds kind of the other issues that the color combination has. And, it's not like there's, you know, it's it's really bad at really anything else. I mean, it's got the black tutors, it's got really good removal, it's got excellent rituals, um, it's got Yogwill and all the reanimation stuff, um, it's got all the the best card advantage with Naws and Necro and Timna and Esper Sentinel. I mean, it also folds pretty hard to to Grave Hate. So it it's it's just in this very conflicted tension. And it's unfortunate. And I mean, this this is evidenced by the way that we see it in the metagame. And you know, before we started recording, we we kind of said, okay, name an Orzov deck that's on the database without looking it up. And Spleen, of course, knew it because he's one of the reviewers, but you know, cheater <laughs> as, as an exercise to the viewers at home, you know, can you name the Orzhov deck that's in the database? Chances are probably no, because it,
1: there, there's not a lot of great options. And so your options are like, so for the people who have paused, gone and, and looked and got their answers. Welcome so, back. Welcome back. <laughs> Thank you for joining us. Um, your options are like Tasa Tasa Scion, of or or what the, what is the Taysa name it? of it? There it is, um, and then like Timna Tevish, and you know Morgan. When we look at these, we aren't given really awesome options, right? Because Timna really wants to have creatures that attack with it, and Timna Tevish is like not doing that very well, I feel like. Uh, I mean what's what's really your perspective.
0: Well so that? I mean you could partner Timna with anything, but I think like it's pretty I, I don't think many people would dispute that of all the Orzov legendaries, like Timna's the best and I don't think it's particularly close. And Timna mm. has part. agreed. So if you're gonna build a Timna deck, like why are you limiting yourself to two colors right like what what's the point of that unless you, you know, unless you really think that like tevesh is just the best you know enabler for your strategy which seems kind of unlikely for most strategies it's just so especially obvious, in orzov like, oh you want a planeswalker partner to go with timna well why not jessica you know you want like you want some like big beefy you know, stacks parody breaker, like why not Kodama or like even Kamal, if you're, you know, one of those people. Um, so <laughs> we, we what don't the talk rebel. about those people. Um, <laughs> so, so like you're, you're kind of at the point where like you, you know, your next best option. I mean, maybe it's, I'm not even convinced that Taysa Orzhov Sion is the next best Orzov commander, but just like all of them are very, they, they don't seem particularly rewarding. Um, you know, some people have memed with uh, Carlove of the Toast Council. You just play like a... Play a Soul Sister or something, and then you play your commander on turn two, and then hopefully he's like a 10-10 on turn three. And that's funny, and every once in a while it works. Um, but then, you know, you come up against a deck that just chumps forever, or they just kill it a couple times. You can't recast it or someone just plays Oracle consult or whatever. Um, And I think, you know, going back to what we were talking about with like white is a very slow color in almost every context. Um, Almost all of its tools have to do with not losing the game. Uh, Be that static effects, some of its removal, um, Those sorts of things, Uh, even, I mean, obviously silences are used to protect your wins, same with Ranger Captain, but like they are also, like Ranger Captain in particular is a very rattlesnakey effect where if you don't have a combo that works through it, you can't even try and win while it's on the field. Um, And black is kind of a speed enabling color, uh, and there's just not sort of the glue that holds those two together. Um, that you see when you get to any of the white black X3 color combinations. Like with green, you lean in, you generally you're gonna lean into the stacks. I know there's the, the bad farm decks, but you lean into the stacks, you then get the dork mana, you get the creature tutors for more consistent access to the hate bears you need. Um, in red, you sort of double up on the, on the speed. so you lean into turbonaws generally. Blue just lets you have interaction. Um, and so you can play like a number of different strategies. You can play sort of a more hate berry one or a turbo one, but the blue interaction helps you sort of bridge right. white, yeah. white's disruptive effects. Plus blues interaction um, makes up for the fact that you don't have something to double up on black speed. Plus you get Oracle consult. Um, and so when you have like, you know, we looked, if we look at the good white cards, we're talking about stuff like rule of law or, uh, you know various hate bears, and then if we look at black cards, we're like uh, ad nauseum necropotence uh, dark ritual. Like fun thing about all those cards, not actually great under a rule of law. Right, <laughs> right. Yeah. So so there's sort of a lot of tension between what those decks are generally trying to do, and it's very difficult to thread that line uh, without the tools that at least one more color gives you. Like, I guess you could play, you know, you could play either the Staxy deck, but you just really wish you had green, um, you know, to sort of smooth out the wind conditions a little bit and let you break parity. You can lean into Null Rod and Collector Roof, uh, or you wish you had red to go fast with your Turbonaise deck. As I said, like, it, it just you the the strong tools in each of the colors do not play nicely at all. And you're when you, kind of lacking in the commander department other than Timna, who is so free to just play more colors with that. Like why bother?
1: Right. When you look at this, um, I'm going to pause at this question to both of you. When you look at these uh, sort of that's the, we've, we've talked about Silesnia so far, we've talked about Azorius so far, we've talked about Orzov so far. And we kind of look at these three, uh, Does Orzov feel like it's the worst of those three that we've talked about so far? Or do you feel like it, which one do you feel would be the worst one of those? Selesnia,
0: Orzov, and
1: and Uh, Azorius. Because I think they all end up having very similar issues, right? Selesnia, not so much,
2: but Azorius and Orzov are very similar in the style, the, 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 the tension that exists between right. the two colors and the, what they want to do.
0: Uh, I, I guess I don't know that there's, I think there's that much internal tension in Azorius. I think, I think I would say that I have like two methods of evaluation and one of them sort of holistic and one of them is a little bit more empirical and i think holistically azorius is not the worst of those three color combinations but empirically it will be and the reason i think that is because um things that can go fast will get rewarded for that ability um more than like so i get if you think about a two player game of magic and your deck has some performance spectrum right you could Mm -hmm. have a deck that always performs at the exact same level or you could have a deck that sort of spikes and craters and spikes and craters and in a one versus one context almost any strategy will have a similar win rate against a wide mix up of strategies right if you have the perfect you perform at exactly the same level. Somebody has, you know, assuming every deck has the same average, obviously there's matchup dependencies and whatever, but if you have the same, if you have the same, you've just performed perfectly average, you know, and you come up against some deck that, that like craters and then spikes and craters, you'll win half, you'll win the games they crater, you'll lose the games they spike. You know, you could do some like weird, you have like, you perform at 60% of the time and then you crater and then you six, you know, and then that might beat a 50% deck, but against, you know, some other pattern it'll they all kind of average out. But that's not true in a four player free-for-all because your deck needs to perform better than the best of the three decks you're playing against, which means you tend to get rewarded for decks that have incredible power spikes. Like a deck that one in ten games presents a protected turn two win. Just like wins that game some ridiculous portion of the time, right? And so that's there. That's 10% of your win rate done and dusted. And then some other deck that, you know, is always presenting interaction on turn three and, you know, develops a card advantage engine by turn four and all of that. Like, you know, one game uh, you lose turn two and you're like, well, shoot. And then the next game, someone has their like crazy, you know, they just like stacks you out or whatever and you lose. And so decks that can spike their power and win super fast, like an Orzov deck, like, oh, look, I just opened my hand was like, you know. Land, dark ritual, necro, and then I drew 30 cards and did something stupid on turn two um,
2: meat hook massacre.
0: Right, like, yeah. like that...
2: Tombstone Stairwell.
0: Right, so that sort of deck will get rewarded, um, I think disproportionately to how they would in a more level or uh, consistent context because there's so much variance in mm-hmm. in CEH. So Azorius, which is very consistent, um, it's, will just, you know, if you have a very consistent deck, every game someone's going to be performing above average and they're going to win not you. Mhm. Even even if your actual average is like theoretically a little bit higher. Right.
2: Oh, that makes sense. Cobble, I I mean, I think right. that that's well said. I I don't know if I come to the same conclusion. Um I I think that part of the equation is also the pool of commanders that are available. Mm-hmm. So you've got the the cards that are in that color spectrum, but you also need to have somebody who's at the helm that can be a consistent, uh, you know, bringer of advantage to whatever deck it is that you're going to build. And even though Timna, I mean, we we've kind of bridged this already where timna is the undisputed best orzov commander but because it has partner there's almost no incentive not to expand beyond th- right. that color range so the choice to stay in orzov generally means that you're either not using timna Or you're using Timna with, you know, Tevesh or something like that. And I think that accounts for its underrepresentation in the metagame. And I I agree that Orzov will be more spiky just because it has access to things like Adnaz and Necro and will have random... Moments when it's able to have very fast out of nowhere wins. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, even in that case, I mean, the the win cons for Orzov are not great. And, and admittedly, the the win cons in
1: Azorius are also not. I'd great. say they're better than the win cons in Azorius, honestly. Right. Um, but. Azorius's ability
2: to interact early and stop others from winning out from under them is much, much more consistent than Orzov's ability to do so. I mean, if you've got Orzov and somebody turn two plays Cody or you know just slams Oracle and Consult, um, I mean, you've got Angel's Grace <laughs> and. That's kind of it. Whereas you could manatize them if you really wanted to. <laughs> for the people running manatize, sure. <laughs> but, you know, Azorius, they actually have a, a decent likelihood of being able to interact with that and, um, and be able to make it to that longer game. So it's I don't I don't think it's cut and dry and I don't think. It's an absolute in one direction or the other.
0: Well, mm-hmm. so I think this is where this is where my you're sort of describing my empirical view on Azorius, and I or sorry, my holistic view on Azorius. And then the issue is that um, the games where you counter an Adnaz on turn three, you need to have a sufficiently high conversion rate on those for it to be worth it for you to not just take the chances that you die and cast your own ad nause, right? Like, countering... If you counter the ad a 100% of the time and then go on to win 20% of those games versus you just roll the dice and 25% of the time you NAS first and you win and then the rest of the time you just die, like, 25% is more than 20%. And I think the issue is is... The empirical issue is that Azorius's consistent disruption can't be converted into wins from advantaged positions consistently enough to actually make it outperform uh, to make it outperform Orzov.
2: We should probably open it up to the comments. Yeah. <laughs> Let us know.
1: Orzov or Azorius? Which Tell me is why I am an idiot for playing Azorius. <laughs>
0: the problem is the comment section are going to be destroyed by my takes later on in the episode so
1: oh boy there we go
0: this gonna get uh, so
1: buried. so when we look at the 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 next piece here um this is one that uh, you should probably know pretty well morgan <laughs> um is uh golgari so when we look at golgari i think the deck that i immediately think of is veral's hulk right uh, i feel like that's probably or mirin get is also rog? i guess oh yeah i guess Gitrog rog is a is a black green <laughs> i'm i'm trying to avoid talking about Gitrog rog after the last song. time
0: it came up Promise? on our
1: show okay. let's not <laughs> get into that
0: um i, I think certainly historically Gitrog rog has been the most played yeah. legendary commander um it's not it's it's in a bit of a rough spot it's in a much better spot now that hull banned, uh because that card that card looks like it was designed by someone who played notion thief and still lost a frog and got mad salty about it and they were like (laughs) okay here's what we're gonna do first you're not gonna draw the cards because then they can't try and deck you out at instant speed second it's gonna have two toughness, which makes it a lot harder to remove. And third, it's gonna be three mana, so it's easier to cast. Like, um, so, <laughs> but that's salty.
2: <laughs> it was a spite design.
0: Like, I, it's actually, I mean, I guess if it had three toughness, then you couldn't kill it with a Cabal Pit. That's like the only concession they made to that, <laughs> like, to not just actually killing Gitrog outright. Um, I think that, uh, as, like, I think commander-centric strategies and, like, so Gitrog was always a deck that tried to win second, or usually a deck that tried to win second, and what that meant was, like, somebody else would try and cast an Adnaz, like, you'd cast Gitrog and just pass, and someone would cast Adnaz and get countered. It'd be a flurry of interaction, uh, and then you'd untap, and then you just have it, have it, and usually having it looked like presenting some very difficult to counter things. Like if the threatening card you're casting is a wild mongrel, like guess what? There's actually not a lot of things that people are playing that deal with that, right? Like it can't be dispelled, can't be guardianshipped or swatted, uh, generally. It doesn't die, like, the removal has to hit whichever piece comes down first, which is often the Gitrog monster, which is a tall ask, right? Like, trying to abrupt decay the discard outlet often doesn't work. They can just go off over top. Um, So it was very well positioned at doing that and abusing people who were greedy and tried to win, and then you just win immediately after. I think that as decks have gotten faster the conversion rate on those super early wins has gone up. Uh, they tend to happen, the super fast player also tends to be trying to win on turn two, not turn three now. Um, and I think that that's made Frog just a little bit worse. It also hasn't gotten some of the new the new tools that make Adnaz decks a lot better, namely Dockside and Breach, not things Gitrod can play. Um, you don't say the printing uh, it doesn't do particularly well against opposition agent it's a deck that really likes to tutor it doesn't do also doesn't
1: do well against Dorothy
0: doesn't do well against Dorothy. Um, like yes you can play those cards but they do more against you than they do for you um, and and so like I think it's just a deck that's been falling and falling um, Varol's Hulk is still a decently fast deck but it's much less it used to be that it was like ever so slightly slower than the fastest decks. Like maybe food chain is a little bit faster or uh, I don't know, like like Grenzo might've been a little bit faster, things like that. Um, mm-hmm. But you had much more resilient wins cause you were like doing Hulk nonsense. Um, but now you're like a lot slower than, than the faster decks. Like you almost never turn to um, and Even the turn threes are, like, they're not incredibly uncommon, but if your play pattern is, like, land dork, land varals, getting Hulk into the bin and reanimating it on turn three is not, like, super consistent. Um, And it doesn't necessarily have the greatest pivots into slower plans because you just have absolutely no value in the command zone. Like, you're playing a three mana sack outlet in the command zone because you want a sack outlet. Um, so, uh, yeah. I I mean, I guess we sort of dove into commanders initially, but evaluating these commanders in the context of what Golgari gives you, so you, you know, as I was saying, you get sort of these medium fast decks. Like, they're capable of going fast, but they're certainly not as fast as the red based ones. Right. Um, and that's... You get a little bit more consistency with your dork-based mana base, which also gives you some resilience to Null Rods. Um, you still have the Rituals, you still have Nas and things like that. Um, the creatures generally layer pretty nicely with the various reanimation and graveyard tools. Um, so a lot of the decks, other than Gitrog specifically, tended to be have some sort of reanimation-based combo. Um, you get access to a few different sort of stacks elements, but not, not enough to like really consistently be presenting them, unless you're dedicating a huge amount of your deck and going a little bit deep on them, um, like we've seen some of the Marin lists do. Uh, you get the, the green-black removal, um, you're lacking in stack-based disruption, um, in fact, Arguably you have the least to say about your opponent having some threatening card on the stack. Like white, while well, it doesn't have counter spells, at least gets things like silence. Um, red gets blasts. Uh, blue obviously gets counter and spells. blast right. and swat, yeah. Uh, black and green get almost nothing. Pretty much all of their interaction is only for protecting themselves. Uh, with I mean, like- they also have, like, pretty solid removal, though. Yes, they do, have, they do have removal, but but in terms of, like, an Adnaz on the stack, right. You're not only can you not stop it, you also, like, can't even get involved, right? Like, a red deck can't stop it, but they can back up your Dispel with a Pyroblast or a SWAT. Um, a white deck can, like, silence you to buy the table a turn. Uh, a Golgari deck can do nothing, more or less. Um, in the
2: world where... There was no Thassa's Oracle, and the best options were Lab Man or Lab Jace. Golgari was able to interact with that win con. Yes. But Golgari has nothing at all that it can do against Oracle Consultation. Pretty much. Which is a bad place to be. I mean, Gosh, there's like some Oracle.
0: absolutely terrible instant speed black targeted draw spells, uh, but... You're gonna play a three mana draw two card, <laughs> so you can deck your opponents with their oracle trigger on the stack. Uh, I mean, not a good place to be. Yet. Enjoy. Um, so I think I think Golgari. I I would say Golgari is probably one of the worst positioned color combinations right now. Even if I think it's actually. A decent, like, holistically in the two color combinations, I think it's actually one of the stronger ones. But I think the things that it does, there is like not a not a lot of room in the meta for them right now. Um, right. The window where you try and win, you know, after someone's been disrupted or like a little bit slower than the fastest decks with a little bit more resiliency, like that window is, is very, very narrow. Um, and you do still struggle. Like you you can win through rule of law, but the decks generally like struggle to assemble and set up their wins to win through rule of law, through a rule of law. Um, sorry, that was kind of a weird way of phrasing it, (laughs) but, (laughs) um, so, so I think that it's, uh, it's a color combination that certainly, could come back into the sun with some meta shifts, but I think right now is, is suffering.
1: It's interesting cobble when we talk about it, because I, I know that we, we've talked about before that um, on the show that, and even today that like get Rog is not as well positioned as it used to be. But I know there is a growing number of people who are starting to uh, play more grave hate. Does that really make the position for really all Golgari? Because I mean, really, where it comes down to it, is all Golgari decks win through the graveyard to some extent. Is that like inaccurate to say?
2: Um. Okay. I, excuse I w- me. I would say
1: they have Wither Bloom combo.
2: I apologize. I mean there is Witherbloom combo, but um the the shadow bag apparatus, which doesn't really get any play, um is able to win through rule of law. Uh because oh, I,
1: I, specifically like rest in
2: peace, though. Like uh, are right. those rest in peace is what I meant to say. I'm sorry. Yeah. For me. Um just because of some the of replacement the replacement effects. Yes. So but that's really you know, kind of getting down into minutia. It's it's still discarding cards and then recurring them and and using that for advantage. So right. I I don't know of any wins that are. I'm I'm trying to think of something that doesn't use the graveyard that's in Golgari. So thinking of things like, Hapatra plus Yagmoth Yag- or. Meat Hook Massacre, or a Blood Artist, or one of those effects. I mean, generally the way that you win with those is by recurring something in and out of the graveyard. So, I, I, I mean, Finale of Devastation. Okay. Somehow making infinite mana and killing everybody with Finale of Devastation. That's that's kind of the out.
0: And generally, Golgari's good in green black is often surprisingly tricky. Without using specifically necrotic use, which doesn't do much through rest, doesn't in work. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so, it, needless to say, like, where do we kind of feel Golgari falls overall? Um, like, is it is it something that right now we're trying to like, if you were you know picking decks that you're trying to play right now, is it something that you're probably trying to avoid, or what, what do you
0: think, Morgan? Um, I think right now I would lean towards trying to avoid it, not because I don't think that it has a reasonable tool set or uh, a valuable niche, but I think in the meta that we're currently seeing, it's very poorly positioned. That being said, I think we might be transitioning towards a meta where it's a little bit better positioned, uh, particularly doing things like Hulk uh, is very strong in the face of people starting yeah. to lean into anti turbo stacks like if you're playing a hulk deck and someone plays a rule of law you just rub your hands together with glee <laughs> and like
1: thank you for protecting my win
0: <laughs> yeah like it it's very uh, and a lot of the rule of law decks have accepted as a sacrifice that they are they're going to be slow and they're not necessarily going to have, they're going to play their early stacks pieces and then they're not necessarily going to have a lot of, you know, like stack based or, or more reactive disruption effects. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if you can find a line through the stacks that's being presented against you, um, it becomes very, very easy for your deck to win.
2: Right. Which is why more people need to run Graftiger's Cage, Rest in Peace. Go back to stones. running mind sensor.
1: Maybe even Play. containment priest. Containment priest is an interesting card. I I don't know. <sighs> sorry, but I shouldn't have started this on sorry. Golgari. It's it's its own it's its own thing. But uh, no that's interesting. Um, next up is probably one of the cards that are one of the not cards. Uh, the uh, colors, colors, colors. jeez. Uh, color pairings that might contend for some of the best, maybe not quite as good as blue black, but it's definitely up there cobble and that's Simic. And so when we look at this, we're talking Kinnon and Tatiova in, you know, Kodama Sakashima. What are, what are we really seeing and here Edric. with Simic and Edric? Yeah. Okay. Sorry. I, I did miss that in our show notes. Uh, I mean, are we talking? MLC? <laughs> I apologize,
2: LJ. <laughs> LJ had some manner of success with with Edric in that. So, blue green. What are what are we talking
1: about with with Simic here?
2: Um. So, I mean, it's got great stack interaction because of the blue. It's got great creature tutors because of the green, and it's got decent ramp that is insulated from Null Rod in the dorks that it's got. And it's got reasonable card advantage through Remora and Ristic Study. And it has, you know, Thrasios and Kinnon and various other ways of generating card advantage if you're able to produce lots of mana. And Simic is very good at producing lots of mana, whether it's by, you know, comboing Kinnon with Basalt Monolith and, you know, anything or the. What are some of the other uh, freed from the real plus any of the Bloom Tender kind of dorks, those sort of things. Uh, Generate infinite mana, pump it into whichever outlet you have, and then draw your deck and then win with Oracle or in some other means. Um, The Kadama Sakashima is, is a really interesting, I'll say, outlier because it does not look at all like any lists it's it's effectively simic uh
1: goto i mean i remember last year when uh hisp won with that deck and you and i were looking at the the deck list when they were going into the finals and we're like this looks like a casual deck right um it's got a high cmc
2: and it's capitalizing on a very niche interaction that you can get if you're able to maintain two kadamas on the battlefield um and it is just like godo it's a, a race to 10 or a race to 11 depending on and if you get there then you just kind of win if people don't know how to interact with it and it's a really interesting take and it reveals some level of flexibility and diversity inside what you can do with Simic besides just go infinite with mana and pump it into Thrasios or Kinnan, So, uh, I, I think that there is some amount of exploration that people can do. I mean, uh, Tatiova is, is very similar, where instead of trying to go real fast, it's playing more of a land based game. And, you know, if you can kill people with Cloudstone Curio, and sun scorched desert, then you know you're doing something right because that's difficult to interact with unless someone has removal. Right, and uh, as far as weaknesses, I would say that I mean, it's it's got it has great creature tutoring, but for the cases where your combo requires an enchantment. Which you know, is is common for things like freed from the real or you know uh, artifacts. I mean, you've got you've got uh, some artifact uh, in transmute artifact and war of invention and that kind of thing, but it's not super deep. So if you're trying to grab something that isn't a creature, y- you don't have a lot of depth and you don't have a lot of consistency. So the lack of the black tutors is felt really strongly. When you see
1: that like in Kinnon, right? When they're trying to assemble the, the mirror lines. Right. It's so
2: there's, there's a balance. It's, it's able to go reasonably fast and it's able to not only defend itself, but it's able to interact with the table, but assembling the combos is somewhat slower because it can't either tutor for it or do a nas to just draw half of their deck and then put together their combo. Right. So beyond that, I'll, most of its draw is is actually draw rather than <laughs> so. Adnaws and Necro are are not draw effects. So right. they don't care about Narset or Notion Thief or those types of things. So Narset and Notion Thief, people who are running Turbo Nos, they don't really care about them for the most part because that just generally hoses Mystic Remora and Rhystic Study. But for the case of Simic, I mean, that really puts a damper on what they're trying to do because a lot of their card advantage is actually draw right so um and a lot of their removal is is bounce removal so if you can't remove a threat and then immediately win a lot you don't have a lot of uh staying power against people just kind of replaying stuff unless you happen to have a very full grip and lots of counter spells right
1: right so, Morgan, you have lots of experience playing up against uh, Kinnon uh, as we we play against Pongo fairly frequently. So when you look at Simic and we kind of try to look at where it falls uh, within all of the colored pairings, where do you kind of think it sits in that hierarchy?
0: Um, I think that this is another one that's somewhat poorly positioned right now, but has decently strong tools available. Um, I think what's currently holding it back a lot is the inability to support the hate it gets in its colors, um, which is basically most Simic decks can't play Collector Roof. Edric is something of an exception there. Um, but looking at the others, Kinnan is an artifact combo deck. Uh, and then things like Sakadama and Tatiova um, are five mana, um, and you have to cast them. So uh, playing Collector <laughs> artifacts is... is uh, a, I mean, Tatiova's five mana, Kodama is six followed by four. Um, to get them down early, you don't want to be hating out artifacts, generally. Um I, I mean, I also think we left the best Simic commander off this list uh, in the form of Thrasios, Triton Hero, um, partnered with whoever. um, And uh, again, typically you're going to be wanting to do things like Scepter stuff, which, like, Bloom Tender free from the real is obviously... It sort of fits nicer in your colors, except for the fact that the way you find it has an freed from the real is you
2: drift of phantasms drift
0: of phantasms for it exactly um (laughs) which yikes feels great um (laughs) so like these decks are generally trying to play artifacts which means they can't play oof but they're slower than say like red black based artifact abusing decks um and so that creates kind of a struggle for them where uh where it can be difficult for them to execute on their strategies and plans, um, under the hate that stops the faster decks, and uh, so then they have to stunt their development to try and control those faster decks um, by you know holding up interaction on early turns, which is not necessarily ideal. And if somebody else plays, if somebody else plays like a null rod, countering it is like often just suicidal if there's a turbonose deck at the table uh, like spending your interaction to stop the turbonose player from being disrupted is a great way to lose um, <laughs> so then you're like well i guess i have to let this resolve but then your your play through it isn't great um and so i think that uh, that like you have to fall back on one for one interaction which we've discussed to death why That's not an optimal strategy in a four-player free-for-all environment.
2: The dorks do provide some amount of insulation from the Null Rod effects in general. They, as as stated before, if your commander's five mana or more, you're going to need to supplement your dorks with additional stuff if you want to reliably be able to get them out early, but having a Null Rod in play is less disruptive to Simic than it is to a Turbo Nas deck.
0: It's less disruptive, but I think it, most of the Simic decks that currently exist, it's still too disruptive. Like, uh, if if Tygam was Simic, for example, I think that that would be incredible, because he's 4 mana, so he's a little bit more reasonable. Like, you play some acceleration on turn one and two, you cast them on turn three, you could possibly even be holding up mana. Um, and then you have this piece that makes your counterspells really good. And, you know, you can then sort of build from there, even acknowledging the fact that tie games combos are generally quite mana intensive and you probably would want artifacts. But with things like... With things like Tatiova... Um, even if you're like playing her on turn three, you probably aren't doing anything with her on turn three. Uh, and then like if you just use Dork based acceleration to get her out, then you have to set up the synergy pieces as well. Maybe you do that first. so then you're looking at like turns one and two, you're accelerating. turn three, you play out are like as az- you find and play your azusa or whatever it is turn 4 you're playing Tatiova, then maybe you can replay some lands, or you got your Crucible or, or whatever on turn 3, and you can replay a land. Um, and then by the time you untap with her, we're talking about, like... By the time you untap with Tatiova, one of Tatiova's big synergy pieces, you're looking at... Assuming you can't use Artifact Mana, you're probably looking at turn 4 or 5 most of the time. Um, and I think that that's just not not quite good enough when you don't have your own static disruptive tools to help supplement and and bridge the gap to those turns. I'm not, again, I don't think these decks are terrible. I think these decks are fine and currently poorly positioned. But Kinnon's still a good deck,
2: right? I mean, Kinnon is still reasonable.
1: We can ask Pongo about it. Dear Pongo, what is your opinion yeah. of Canon? <laughs> uh, you know, looking at another blue based uh, strategy that kind of runs into sort of similar such situ- like issues, but has red. So, you know, everybody's high on it is uh, blue and red. So, Morgan, when we're looking at is it. Uh, this is kind of the classic storm color. You know, you think of, uh, is it modern, right? You know, is it storm and in, in moderns like the, the storm deck. So when we, we look at it here, though, uh, what does it kind of look like? I know now we've got Karkashima, which is probably the, the closest thing to that you got. But what all are we talking about?
0: Um, so there's a few different sort of brews in the simic space. There's always been some variety of Niv-Mizzet deck ever since he was spoiled. Um, he's an incredible value engine, and he can't be countered. Um, so those are two things that make him like very appealing if you want to play kind of a control-type deck. Um, and he also is reasonably disruptive. Um, I think people often underestimate like how disruptive. Um, I think the, we saw then, that
1: in the MLC when Timmy would land Niv Mizzet and then. Yeah, and then it's just the like. The board just goes, oh.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, and even like the fact that you can sometimes leverage that into built in Gildedrake protection. I think Gildedrake is a, like an unreasonably large issue for him. Um, and I would love to play like a Torpor Orb, but um, casting Niv Mizzet without Dockside is pretty rough a lot of the time because blue 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 red 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 um
2: let me tell you <laughs> about magda
0: <laughs> let me, i mean yeah again i mean i guess she does make treasures you know you can play your captain lannery storm if you really want to go deep actually i think storm kiln artist is also mm-hmm. uh, a big thing in those like in those types of decks um Especially something like Niv where you're just playing like a billion uh instants uh, and sorceries. turns Bluster
1: per- Storm into particularly, a particularly
0: particularly uh when your deck goes very deep on free cast instant and sorceries, kill Artist is is a house. Um and obviously it's it's absurd with Kark, but um Yeah. <laughs> but uh,
1: everything's absurd with Like
0: Kruk. yeah, tra- trying to like landing Niv mizzet is an issue. Um there have been there's Various Malcolm decks. Um, people have done Malcolm Breaches just to get some value. Uh, there's Malcolm Kedis, where um, you have this incredible mana engine because uh, you get three treasures if you have Kedis out and you swing with Malcolm. Um, and then you just polymorph into the Glintorn combo. But um, while that combo does work through rule of law, is it decks don't play well through rule of law as a general rule? And it doesn't work You don't well. say. It's like <laughs> it's really rough to play a creatureless deck that dies to curse totem. Like that's just so sad. And that combo the Glinthorn Malcolm combo dies to any sort of draw hate, Notion Thief, Chains of Mephistopheles or whatever, Spirit of the Labyrinth. It dies to creature ability hate and Artifact Hate. Um, and I think that that's just a little bit rough. Um,
1: Remember when we were talking about uh, Blue Black and we're like, what's all the stuff that hates on Thorical?" This is like the opposite problem.
0: Yeah. Um, and then um, in Is It you're lacking tutors for things that aren't instants and sorceries and creatures with specific caveats? Um, you have like Goblin Tutors and recruits. And wizard cycling and stuff like that, but like you don't have get whatever creature I want type tutors, um which means and and even the incident sorcery tutors you often don't have a huge number of them. um Like so, there's you know spell see mystical tutor gamble, then you got your spell seeker merchant scroll solve the equation and then you're getting pretty deep if you're going any deeper than that you can try and make intuition stuff work it's a little bit rough in is it when you don't have a card like sabine's reclamation mm-hmm. and you don't you just generally don't have fantastic access to cards out of your graveyard um some is it decks have tried to do past inflame flame stuff it's very mana intensive typically that's for like Vadric or mizix who have dis- built in discounts um
2: Mystic's mastery,
0: yeah, yeah. You can do Mystic's mastery stuff, but even then, like your three card pile is like some. Like, are you playing like a call to mind, or you can do like Mystic retrieval or something like that? Um, It, you know, and then like if you're trying to bin and enter the infinite, like I guess maybe maybe you can do like Mystic retrieval. uh, Faithless, no. There's there's probably a pile that I'm like. I'm just derping on right now that could consistently Mizzix mastery, uh, and enter the infinite from your graveyard, but it, it's not. But it
2: would be a pile. It in would sense very much be right. a pile.
0: <laughs> um, and and so like you you suffer for not being able to necessarily find your your wind conditions. Um, you you know you don't have the black tutors. While is it is like a storm color combination in modern. Uh, when you look at legacy, decks typically play black, and that's because the old rituals, the truly busted rituals, were black. Um, and you don't necessarily get those. Uh, well you don't get those in in is it? Um and so But you, is it good? Is it good? Uh not exactly. Um <laughs> So yeah, you like you have your breach combos, but the only tutor that really enables it is gamble. I mean, I guess you can do fervent mastery. Ugh. Um, so there's there's just like a lot of a lot of issues with the color combination that make it everything's just like a little bit more awkward than you want. And uh, to top it all off, for whatever reason, um, a lot of the commanders don't curve nicely. So, no, they do not. So three mana two color commanders are awkward to cast when you don't have dorks, because if you're playing a two mana rock, then you have to play it on turn two. You play your commander on turn three. Um, if you have something like a soul ring, you still can't play it turn one. Um, so that's Riel. That's Vadric. Uh, Vadric. That's. Um, oh, my God, dude yeah, there's like but there was another one that I thought of and now it's just gone from my head. Um but yeah, Riel <laughs> Sure. Um like that's things like Riel and Vadric. Uh Krark and Sakashima, while like you can play Clark on two. If you play assuming you don't have fast mana, if you play Clark on two, you can't play Sakashima on three. So now you're looking at playing her on four, and then it's hard to go off with very limited mana after it. Um so like it's a definitely a color combination where like you really want the fast mana. Um and that's not like you don't have the tutors to find it. You don't have like the E Tutor, Vamp Tutor. You know, I'll just go grab my crypt uh super early tutors. Obviously you can gamble for crypt, but that's always <laughs> that's always a risky play. Right. And burning your gamble in a breach combo deck for a crypt is often very rough. Um so you sort of struggle in establishing yourself early a lot of the time. Um and and I think that definitely holds the color combination back. Uh, in concert with dying to the same hate that like Grixis dies to without getting all of the absolute <laughs> the nonsense good stuff. that Grixis gets.
1: So let me let me ask you this then. So we're looking at, we've talked about Zadrick, we've talked about Mizzix, we've talked about Karkatsakashima, Niv-Mizzet, all these things. Um, Joyra, obviously, it would be in there as well. Um, where? Which of these commanders do we feel like, if we're playing blue-red, this is probably where we want to be?
0: Um... I think that empirically it's Kraken and Sakashima because that's a deck that gives your opponents a lot of opportunities, first of all, to make mistakes and not interact correctly, but also just sometimes you can't interact favorably against that deck. Like if you're just trying to, if you're trying to stop Krark and Sakashima with like dispels and swan songs and miscasts, like you're just going to have such a bad time. Um... <laughs> And and if you're... So, like, then you're looking at trying to keep Crark or Sakashima off the field. The The dream is to kill Crark with Sakashima on the stack. Um, but that often is not a line that's available to you without a decent amount of sacrifice. Um, like, I mean, I you know, chaining it is, like, pretty underwhelming. Um, I guess you could do that. You know, decks that play swords can do that. Otherwise, you're looking at holding up, like, up decay on like an early turn which is not necessarily for like not a winning play it's probably not where you want to be um but it is a deck that reward or punishes your opponents and takes advantage of certain play patterns most effectively I think that hmm, I don't know which of the ones I think is it might be Vadric I've um Lyndon Noobzor has played Riel for a while. He was actually considering taking it to tier one con. And it definitely, Mm -hmm. like, it certainly did a bunch of good stuff a lot of the time. Um, It's definitely a deck that, and and like Riel can present a very real clock in games that get even a little bit stalled. It's definitely a deck that had some issues um, in the consistency department and in the commander reliance department. Uh, that one wasn't bad. Um I tested or like Goldfishing Vadric has been very interesting. I'm not sure where I rate it compared to Mizzix. Um, I think it's a little bit less wild than Mizzix. Um I, I've I'm, had I'm I've not gotten sure to play if against that's a good it a couple thing. times. Um
1: the it, it seems like it gets to play like a few better cards. Yeah, then like not a whole lot better cards, but like a handful of like you're not playing fire minds research, right? Like haze
0: of rage. I mean, yeah, fire minds insight is or Firemind's minds yeah, fore, foresight, fire minds, Foresight. foresight. That's right. Um, is I mean, like I would certainly say that having quote unquote one card combos that are instants or sorceries is a feature of mizzix, not a bug. Even if those cards on their own don't look great, Um, both Invert Invent and Firemind's Foresight are like some of the things that make Mizzix actually a good deck because then you are like that one Mystical Tutor, Merchant Scroll, solve the equation away from just winning the game uh, once you get like that sort of setup enabled. And Vajric generally needs like two or three cards to win the game. Um, the fact that he is an immediate discounter that doesn't need to be enabled and costs three, not four is big. Um, so I don't exactly, it's like, they certainly have advantages and disadvantages over each other. Um,
1: I, here, I'll, I'll settle it for you. The best, uh, is it commander is Chrome.
0: I mean, We've talked about Timna in Thrasios. Yeah, Krom is <laughs> not Timna. It's really, really not. Um, for like a lot of reasons.
1: I <laughs> like, definitely agree with
0: you. <laughs> like a lot of reasons. Um, but I, I would
1: still say it's probably one of the best blue-red commanders.
0: Mm, I would disagree. I I, th- I don't think... I. Uh, Like Timna solo is not like enticing to play because you don't have to play her solo, but like is playable. And I think Crop Solo is not. Um, Okay. And I think that's fair. I think one of the sort of indicators of that is that we've seen a lot of three-colored Timna decks and not nearly the same variety of. Other chrom decks, like people have done, chrom Um Obviously, Tevesh Crom was done, but like Grixis could literally play without a commander and be fine. Um, <laughs> whereas, like we've seen, we've seen three, we've seen all of the possible three-colored Timna decks having typically multiple different partner considerations in each of the three-color combinations, and strategy diversity and where like we've seen the Abzan farm and stacks deck. We've seen the Esper Turbo Naz stacks, sort of tempo mid-range stuff with both Sakashima and uh and um, Malcolm in red typically we're only seeing turbo decks, but we're seeing them with Rograk and Jessica, Um and we just don't see that same sort of three color mm-hmm. pairing with Crum.
2: Yeah. Does Chrome have a plus white um, deck that's been established?
0: Um, someone there was. I'm pretty sure there was a Jeskai Chrome deck that at least was submitted to the database. I don't think I'd ever I've seen
1: Chrome Bruce it. before.
0: You can do Chrome Bruce um, and just slap people. You can also do Chrome Shy and just have two slappers rather than one double striking slapper. Um, I think both of those sort of suffer from wanting to. Like I, landing Crom is like not a plan the way that landing Timna is, uh, because the card draw is just so much more, or so much less consistent. I was going to say more right. consistent, but, um, like, I've certainly seen, I, I've. You know what? I'll confess. I've enjoyed the games where someone has gone, like, for some crazy dump my entire hand and slam Krom. And then on, like, turn one. And then everyone's like, cool, I'm going to play one spell and pass. Like, I'm going to play Land Dork, Land Timna. And then this person played a Krom, and it's, like, on turn one. And it's turn three. And they have, like, two cards in hand and, like, two or three mana because they used Mana Vault or whatever, Jeweled Lotus. And, you're just and then like, someone plays rule of law. Or even if they don't, you're just like, how well did that work out for you? Like uh like whereas, you know, early Timnas. First of all, they don't require nearly the same sacrifice. And second of all, even if they don't have as high a theoretical ceiling, they're going to draw you cards.
2: Right. Timna, Timna is more autonomous, whereas Crown is more parasitic.
1: Oh, for sure. Yeah. Um it's interesting because I think there's a lot of people who and I uh, okay, to push back on the crumb thing a little bit here just for the sake of conversation. Um could you make the same argument on I go I I expand resources to play a mana or to get Abris study out on turn 1. I've done the thing and Turn three, nobody's paid or everybody has paid for this for city. Could you not make that same argument there?
0: No, you because can, at some because everyone paid one mana on it. you. You cast a one sided sphere of resistance rather than a four
1: but in a in a format where everybody's wanting to go fast. Right. And everybody's wanting to play multiple spells a turn right. is having a card out that people are respecting where they're going. We're not going to play multiple spells a turn.
0: Well, I just actively I, I, acting
1: I, as a sort of of stacks piece.
0: Um, I think that it's very different to, so yes, to an extent, there is some, you could say that Krom is the, the lightest possible stacks piece, but in terms like there are lots of decks that are Mm -hmm. totally happy to just, uh, play their. One spell for turn on turns like two and three, and just we're gonna take this game slow. We're gonna be chill, you know, whatever. Right. Um. And the one deck that's not happy about that, like the turbo whatever deck, feeds you one card a turn. Um, right. Whereas with Ristic Study, generally that one, the one deck that's like, okay, sure, they're gonna play Dork into Timna or whatever and I'm going to, or like, they played the Dork, then the, the Ristic Study came down, they're going to play Thrasios, followed by Timna, or whatever. They're going to play a Tutor, followed by their three or four mana commander, you know. Extrapolate right. this, whatever. I'm just using Timna as like a, an
1: easy... No, I, I get hit. what you're saying.
0: Um, the deck that's like, I will lose this game, I can't play that plan, can often wind up feeding you two, three, four cards in a turn with a Ristic Study. Um, whereas they can literally, it's impossible for them to feed you more than one card in a turn with a Chrom. Like, that's just not how crom works. Mm-hmm. Um, and.
2: Unless there's a counter war.
0: Well, one person can only feed you one card a turn. Obviously, multiple people right. could theoretically feed you cards in a turn. Um, I also think that Ristic Study, when it draws the most cards, is counter wars. Um, because often what people will do, like, sort of the. The greedy but respectful line with Ristic Study is that you pay for all the spells you cast on your turn, and you hold up interaction that you can't pay for, hoping that you don't have to use it. Um, like that's often that's like often a heuristic that I'll apply through Ristic Study. Um, I'll hold up my dispel, but I'll only hold up one mana. If I need to dispel, the Ristic Study players getting a card like oh well. Um, and I think that, you know, with Crom, in order to draw cards, you need them to have like multiple pieces of interaction that they're spending all on one turn. Um, and like basically every situation that Crom is in the early game that Crom's drawing you cards, Rhystic Study would have drawn you more cards requiring mm-hmm. less of an investment to get onto the field. Right. Right. And I think in the situations where it doesn't draw you cards, it's still way more disruptive than, than, right. uh, than Chrome.
1: So. I, I would agree with that. I, 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 I do want to point out, I do agree with you on this. I just want to push back a little bit. Sure, you know. sure. Um, Esper Sentinel is a better rate.
0: Yeah, okay. it's. <laughs> I think it's a materially different card. It's a card that's right. I've seen it be a very effective tax piece a lot of the time, more so right. mm-hmm. than a card dry engine. Um, but I have seen it be a pretty impressive card dry engine too.
1: Uh, well, moving on here to the last little bit, and I think we're going to have some opinions here on this. Uh, we were talking about this before the, the show and, uh, Boros has uh, really looked a lot, regardless of opinions about Boros, right? We can all kind of agree that Boros now is much more compelling than it was two years ago. And that is, you know, for a variety of reasons. But when we look at this cobble pot and we look at Boros, you know, we've we've seen Winona have the string of success recently it's kind of the hot new stack stack that people are playing. What, what is going on with Boros? What are the strengths? What are the weaknesses? And ultimately, what do we think about it?
2: Well, I think part of the metamorphosis that's happened for Boros over the past two years is the improvement of Red. And things like Jessica's Will, things like Deflecting SWAT and so on, and Dockside Extortionist, those are all things that kind of raise all boats. So anything with red in its identity is going to be benefiting from those cards. Mm -hmm. Um, Boros was starting from a much lower point than all of the other red X combinations. So the fact that it has become a present uh, entity within the metagame is... I, I think it had to come further than the other color combinations had to. But then again, it, it was coming from practically nothing. And I, I think the stronger force involved in this is, is really the the commanders that got printed. So uh, Winona, of course, and Cole to, to some degree, because um, I think SICK has demonstrated that that has some amount of legs and consistency but really I don't think that the the success of Boros would be happening without the printing of Winota even though Red has improved Boros the reason why Boros is a thing is because of Winota with any other commander um It it just would not be seeing the same amount of success. And that's because of the fact that it's both a card advantage engine and a uh, resource engine because it's effectively drawing you cards and allowing you to play them without casting them and breaking parity with its own rule of law effects and with its own uh, blood moon effects and and so on. So it winds up uh, being able to play a very uh, stacks-oriented, proactive game while completely breaking parity with that because of the commander. Whereas other... Other paradigms where people are trying to to play rule of law or to play uh, artifact hate or, you know, uh, any other symmetric kind of uh, hate piece, they have to work to be able to break parity with that symmetric hate. And Winona in the command zone is the parody breaker. Right and the card advantage engine, and the resource engine. So it's kind of the best thing that Boros could have ever gotten. And if it was in another com- another color combination, it would be even more insane. I think the fact that it's in Boros, and it's so powerful, I mean, if... If Winota was black-white, or blue-white, I mean... That would be a very different
1: thing. Thanks for playing, Lavinia. We'll talk to you (laughs)
2: later. (laughs) But um, all of that said, I mean, Boros generally has very little going for it because it has almost no stack interaction, you know, short of the deflecting SWAT and silence effects. It, you know, generally because it's game plan is going to be very proactive and permanent oriented. It's going to fold to Cyclonic Rift and generally will take longer to recoup post wipe than most other lists because most other lists are lower to the ground. Um, The tutor support is not great. You've got gamble and you've got enlightened tutor and kind of it. And you know, it's, but beyond Winota, the card advantage options are like Esper Sentinel and maybe Wheels. I mean, it, it, there's just not not very much depth at all, and that was why Boros was always so far behind all of the other color color combinations, mm-hmm. um, which I mean, really is a testament to how powerful and broken. Winona actually is, to be able to uh, remediate all of those shortcomings and be able to lead to a deck that is able to compete at the highest echelons. So when we're, we're,
1: we're talking about this deck um, and we're talking about, this deck has seen some amount of success recently and is kind of becoming popular. Spleen, when we look at this card and we, we look at where it is and we look at what the Winota deck is doing, you know, moving forward, where, where do you think this deck is going to be going to be landing? Because I, I think you said this earlier uh, before we went on air is you think we're kind of in a little bit of like a honeymoon phase with Winoda at the moment.
0: Yeah. So remember when I said the comment section was going to be destroyed. Uh <laughs> I, one of the notes we have here under Boros is that it's not the worst anymore. I disagree. Uh, I still believe it's the worst color combination. Uh, well, even
1: worse than like
0: Azorius. Yes. Okay. Um, and I think that so. Um, we're we're talking about two Boros commanders. Cole is like, it kind of works because it i'm like it is as if someone was like trying to design a commander based on like all of all of the strengths that are like exactly boroses like okay you can play like a bunch of these like cheap easy to die creatures and then you can find equipment consistently and nothing else like that's what boros has going for it (laughs) Um, so we'll make a commander that just like combos with skull clamp and like some minor enablers Um, and so it can do some surprising things but I think even sick robot who spent a lot of time with the deck would say that like it has very material weaknesses like uh, Lavinia <laughs> uh, sure but like more generally any sort of stacks uh, Null Rod, Rule of Law Torpor Orb, Rest in Peace um, like a lot of things give it a hard time it's also a deck that a lot of its success comes from trying to present the actual piece of your combo that needs to be interacted with too early for people to interact with and part of that relies on inexperience Mm -hmm. um like when you just tutor and cast the skull clamp on like turn two and you're like you don't even have coal in play and they're like oh you're not comboing um why would i care you you let the skull clamp resolve and then it's like okay we're now two turns later they've cast the coal um and now i'm forced with either dying or i have to counter this like freaking mem knight or whatever (laughs) Like the like kobolds of care keep on the stack, and you're like, I have to counter this, or we this. Um, It's awful, it's, it's the so worst. awful. Um, and then so, so, setting aside Cole Winoda, um, yes, I said, I think we're in a bit of a honeymoon phase. I don't know how many of our listeners will remember, uh, when Blood Pod sort of first hit the scene, it was before. For the dominance of Hulk, and people were still very much in like a Nas-focused mindset. Uh, This was of the time of like, at the time it was PST, Paradox Scepter Thrasios. Uh, Even things like- It
2: was before Docside. Like
0: Doomtide, uh, Grenzo Doomsday, Chainvale Veil to Fairy- uh, like, a lot of these were, like, the top decks. And, like, Hulk existed. Um, Razakats didn't, because, like, Razaketh had just been printed and people hadn't sort of figured that shell out as much. Um, so, like, Hulk existed and it was like, okay, yeah, Breakfast Hulk is a good deck. But Breakfast Hulk was also a very clunky Hulk deck, Um, particularly... Like it it was playing Nas, it was trying to go really fast, so it was still Disney vulnerable to stacks. And you went into this meta where everyone was playing Nas. Everyone was like trying to go fast, rituals, fast mana, Nas, all of these things. Um and then you just went like, yeah, cool. Uh turn to Noirod. Uh turn you know, I'll play like actual rule of law. I'll play Thalia. Um and it was like People thought it was, like, unbeatable. People had all yeah. these greedy mana bases. It was like, we're playing Blood Moon, too. Like, just all of this. It went on an absolute tear um, in, like, some of the ranked leagues in particular. Putting up like, people were putting up, like, 50, 60% win rates with it. Um, and then, And then it just started to fall. And, like, it fell for two years straight. Uh, and then it bottomed out as, like, a meme of, like, an unplayable deck because the hate that it was presenting just no longer lined up against the meta, which at the, was was at the time Hulk. Um, and people tried to sort of revive it. There were, like, the metapod lists and things where it was like, okay, we'll go lighter on the tax effects and the rule of laws, and we'll lean into things like Rest in Peace and Cage. Um, and those saw a little bit of success, but, like... In a meta that was not like playing perfectly into it, it was very much not a successful deck. And I think Winota has been showing up and just like clapping all of these, uh, these greedy Nas decks. And that's great. Like, I, to be clear, I'm really happy about that. And I think it's a very healthy thing. Um, But if we look at the last two sort of big public tournaments, both of which had a Winota deck in the top four, the decks that they lost to were decks that I think they have a really hard time beating. So that was Minsk Hulk, and um, it was Killstar's Hermit Pod Brew. Like It was a a Staxi deck that was playing... Just more consistent win cons than Winota could really hope to deal with that were stacks resilient, um, and I think that those decks have always been a part of the meta, and Winota is going to have like a terrible win rate against those decks. Uh, not like like I think Winota's win rate against decks that can consistently win through stacks. Is a lot worse than like Turbo nas deck's win rate against Winota, for example, um, because you just don't have the tools to to deal with them. Like Turbo decks, sometimes you can just get under the Winota, like they they don't have. You have the turn two, and they didn't have like a turn one deafening silence, or they 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 curve like some attacker into like turn two Winota, and they swing and they don't hit like. You know, they don't hit Ranger Captain or Sanctum Prelate or Thalia. And so, like, congratulations, you can win on turn three or whatever. And, like, things like Pod decks or, like, like Yassan has always been held up as, like, a, a deck that just absolutely, like... That was the joke. The joke with Blood Pod was that you just handed games to the Nijila or Yassan player. Like, back when Yassan also saw a lot of play. Um... And I think that that is going to be true of Winota um, and it will stumble when we see those decks and those decks are viable enough that there'll be enough of them. Um, My own tournament experience is playing against Winota. I've like seen it die in a huge number of pods to some deck that could combo through its stacks. It was Hullen, It was Hermit Pod. It was like hulk decks it was like any numbers you know some like reanimator type decks um and i don't think it uh, and i think the because boros is such a limited color combination i just don't think that there are tools in boros to really deal with that like you can't play stuff that effectively hates on these decks you can't play graph cage you can't play containment priest um conceivably you can play rest in peace which i guess deals with like some of the stuff um but you can't access it consistently um then you're looking at going real deep like maybe sanctifier and Vec, but i'm not even sure that like mince just ignores it because you're not playing like you you can pile through it pretty easily um, like maybe some of those other decks struggle a little bit more though. Like pod lines, I think work through sanctifier and Vec cause your Kiki never hits the bin. It's only white cards that go to the bin and blue cards. Um, right. So like what, what are your tools to stop that? You know, you, they've played, is it bygone Bishop or um, no, not bygone Bishop. Oh. It's a flyer. You can sack it to exile a graveyard. I forget what it's called, but yeah, um, you know, like that's one shot, Grave Hate. Um, like, I, I think that the tools, Winota is not in a position to be teched against the decks that beat Winota um, the way that decks in higher colors can be teched to deal with a different meta. And I think that that right. will become increasingly clear over the next few months, particularly if 10% of all of these tournaments are going to be Winota players.
1: I think that's well said. It's interesting because I know Ian kind of says that Winota does best against other stack stacks.
0: Uh, So I think that Winota does best against other, like it's remorseful cleric was the the card I was thinking of. Um, Winota does well against other quote unquote win less or non-win-con-focused stacks decks. Mm-hmm. Um, like, in a stacked-out game, Winota does well, including against other decks that are ostensibly trying to play a stacked-out game, but I don't think it does well against decks that are trying to win a stacked-out game. Um, with, you know, like Birthing Pod combos or Hulk combos or things right. like that. Um, you can certainly beat down like, um, I don't know, like the, the Timna Kamal deck. Like you can put so much hurt on them before they can stick the Kamal that like, then they can't really attack cause you'll just kill the, kill them on the crack back or whatever. Um, you know, you can try and find Drenith or, or things like that. Um, but I, I think it also does decently well against like decks that try and draw their way out of stacks locks, like, uh, like Thrasios, Seaborn Muse type stuff, like Mm -hmm. it'll just keep trying to kill you, um, and it'll probably succeed eventually, but I think against decks that present consistently accessible stacks resilient win cons, uh, not only does Winota as it's sort of currently being built, not have the tools. I just don't think the tools exist in Boros without sort of hating your own deck out too much.
1: Right.
2: Maybe if there was a human version of Angel of Jubilation.
0: Yeah. That would be yeah, interesting. That would be, or like if Yasharn was in colors, that might Right. That might sort of do it. Um but yeah, these effects are not really there. And the ones that do—they're And they're difficult to access. The ones that oros. do actually stop your, stop a lot of the combos that Winota's weak do. Also stop Winota, like things like Grafticus Cage and Containment Priest.
1: Right. So we've we've talked about all these these color pairings. We've kind of gone through all ten of them here, and I, I think it goes without saying that Demir, we we all kind of agree, is like the best two color combo that's out there, but if we were to take Demir out of it, uh, Thassa's Oracle, demonic consultation, those cards, we're not talking about those here. Blue, black, notwithstanding, which ones cobble assist to both of you uh, and the reasoning behind it, which two color combo pairing do you like the most right now?
0: Um, right now, I think I'd have to say Rakdos. Mm -hmm. Because I think right now, if you're going... Basically, I think that um, very proactive decks suffer less from having a limited tool set. Which is not shocking, right? Like, a deck like a Thrasios, Timna, I don't know, Razakats, for example, like every card in that deck, there's a situation where like you want to find it. And when you play these like five or six turn games, you often have the option of like, I'm going to tutor for something that isn't a win con. So I want to have a wide array of powerful tools available to me. Whereas if you're just tutoring Ad nauseum every time, it like kind of doesn't matter that the rest of the things that you're demonic tutor confined suck um (laughs) because you're just tutoring admas every time and so i think that you can get rewarded for that play pattern i think that simic should be in terms of the tools available and the depth i think that simic should probably be the best sort of holistically i think it suffers a bit in the commander department uh also just because people don't want to play Thrasios in Simic because just play more colors like why wouldn't you? Right. Um, so yeah those are sort of my that's my, my holistic and empirical picks.
2: What, what do you think Cobble? I mean for me it does come down to either Simic or Rakdos and it's 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 close uh, Rakdos is the fastest of the two color combinations. So it's going to have, uh, the most instances of those spikes where it just gets under everybody and is able to win before anybody else has cocked their guns. Right. Um, and Simic has the most deterministic game plans as long as they aren't forced to use drift of phantasms to find a win con. Um, (laughs) And the ability to interact with the table. So um, I I think Rakdos, if it doesn't hit one of those spikes, it has no hope of, if it doesn't outrace the table, it has kind of like no hope of out-interacting the table. And it has no ability to generally come back if it misses that window of opportunity. Whereas Simic can interact early and has a much better long game. Now, which one of those translates to a better combination? Something that's going to have more chances of winning early uh, versus something that has more chances of not losing early? Um, it's it's close for me. So um, I'm going to say Simic just to say something different from Spleen.
1: It's Azorius. Don't worry about it.
0: Um. <laughs> yeah. Ojitai's o- actually not just the best Azorius commander. It's actually the best two color commander. Just, just right? the best two
1: color commander. Actually, it's yeah, just. Like, let's just.
0: It's just. Well, I mean, think about it. If the if it's the best two color commanders, and typically the best commanders <laughs> in the format are two color, right? Like Thrasios and Timna. That just means it's the best commander.
1: <laughs> I mean. You can't not me.
2: Can't push back on that logic.
0: By <laughs> the transitive oh, property, right? That's how that works.
1: Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Ergo. QED. Oh my gosh. Well, thank you guys uh for your thoughts and all that stuff. Uh my good friend Spleenface, what are you guys doing over there <laughs> <laughs> to the
0: north? Oh, <laughs> we're uh We're uh, Backstabber. <laughs> we're, uh just churning out episodes uh quasi regularly um yeah we're still i guess (laughs) getting back into the uh the groove of things after tier one con i think we're starting to work on lining up some guests for special episodes where we do deep dives on decks are currently the deck that's or sorry the episode that's currently in the pipeline uh features special guest uh nathan jones aka the hermit druid who is hey. always a fun one so uh, make sure to check that out it'll probably be released around the same time as this episode um yeah so just make sure to, to check that out
1: yeah well we always uh, always love what you guys are doing over there you guys would do make great content. So, and uh couple what's going on over uh, with the lab maniacs Are you. Any, anything new coming on over there?
2: There, there is new stuff and it's just kind of uh, a little bit slow moving and that's okay. So there's, we did some conquest gameplay recording, so that'll be coming out in not too long. You've
1: been enjoying playing conquest that, recently, haven't you?
2: Yes. It's, it's, it is a a fun respite from CEDH. Uh, I still enjoy CEDH more probably, but uh, it, it is definitely worth checking out, especially if somebody is feeling burned out from yeah. consult Oracle.
0: Getting comboed on turn <laughs> two over and over again. It's definitely yeah. <laughs> my experience has been that it supports a lot more strategy diversity. Yes. Then. Than CEDH does, which is definitely nice to get a little bit of fresh air.
1: Right. Um,
2: yeah. It doesn't. It also has much less uh, turbulence, as far and and variance as far as uh, starts are concerned, based on seating position and based on mulligans. So, it, you know, you there's a lot more balance in the early game, and there's a lot less. Oh, this person got first seat and mulliganed well so they win right uh that sort of thing is is mitigated to great extent
1: yeah it's an interesting format
0: yeah it doesn't scratch all the same itches of like the the crazy super powerful like wild plays that you get uh in cdh but it's like it's
1: all legal you can't, you can't do a turn one uh, peer into the Abyss as easily uh, like Pongo did.
0: Yeah, oh boy. That was a game. Um, yeah, I, it's kind of like, if CDH is like vintage, it's kind of like modern, I would say. Where like, yeah. it's just a little bit more level, or like maybe it's more like the modern of like 2015 and before. I know modern's gotten Little, modern's
1: wild right now modern's been a little <laughs>
0: wild for the last couple of years but like you know the modern the modern where like we
1: grew up on <laughs> yeah where, where you know
0: jund and like just guy control and you know like even the decks that got banned like pod and twin yeah weren't like kill you on turn two decks they were I, decks. i've said
1: this before I've said this before. You could unban twin and pod in modern right now, and it would be perfectly fine. Great. I am awesome. uh, the stuff that's going on in modern right now. This is, we're not a modern podcast, but uh, the stuff that's going on in modern right now, you could unban those two cards safely. I, I guarantee you of all the things that we've said in this entire podcast, that little thing there for me is probably at the very end, we'll probably get the most hate. Just me saying, no, you could, you could unban pod and twin and be fine.
0: I'm uh, no, no, no! I'm fully <laughs> expecting to get swarmed by all the Winota fans, and the worst part is, the worst part is, they all get a free reinforcement from the top six cards of their deck when they when they come in and mess up the comment section. So, <laughs>
1: <laughs> unless there's a Graft Digger's Cage, Exactly. So the lesson here is play play Graft Digger's Cage, play Weathered Rune Stone, get get some get some hate for the <laughs> Winota <pit>. fans <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well thank you all for joining us that about wraps things up for today just a quick reminder that you can follow us on twitter at sculpty boys b-o-i-s or you can find a direct link in our link tree in the description below as well want to also give an extra shout out to all of our patrons who help keep the lights on if you too would like to become a patron you can head on over to patreon.com forward slash the mind sculptors or check out the link in the description Thank you again for joining us and from all of us here at the Mind Sculptors. I'm Callahan and we'll see you next time.
3: I'm in line with the stars, I'm a sink with the earth. Ten toes deep, flower child from the turf. I never switch sides, like even when I die, I'm a ride for the squad, let ties in the hearse. I've been on a vibe kind of hard to describe. I'm in between, I'm good and it's fine, but I'm tired of the grind. Then I come alive in the night to realize I'm in the middle with a time of my life. I The house, then I hit it to the sky change, haters on a tirade, talking to the grip and the face be still like that hate stuff fade, hey, we all want the same, we all want a meal and a safe, I want to live, like I'm trying to reach spill from my lips, feel big from the dip, take a sip till I pass out, try and get grip, but it don't make sense, cause you can lose life on the spouse. Making moves while I'm at. I'm still on the grind every time when I chat. I'm burning down sage, keep the demons away. When i ready, give a piece of myself to the page. I don't do it for the praise, love. That's just how I'm at. the glass <laughs> in the mirror. Yeah. Do it at me, old oh, man, trying to pass in the you Yeah, the first one to talk, but the last one to hear. Eyes blurry, but I couldn't see the ass in the